All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 10. And um, I've titled the message this morning, Making the Most of God's Grace. Making the Most of God's Grace. And if you remember, the last time I was up here, it was a few, several weeks ago, I taught through 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, and we looked at verses uh, 12 through 21. And if you remember, in the second letter to the Corinthians, uh, first of all, Paul had to write a first letter to them because there was a lot of issues that were taking place at the church there in Corinth. There was a lot of division. There was a lack of love for one another. There was an abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for example, just to name a few things. And in this second letter, once again, um, as I've mentioned before, he's addressing some lingering issues, in particular false teachers, uh, these Judaizers that were mixing law, they were mixing grace. Uh, they were telling the Corinthians that they couldn't come to Jesus until after uh, they fulfilled the law of Moses, particularly circumcision. Now, as I mentioned before, the last time I was up here, there were two takeaways from the study. Um, one of them was the fact that Paul endured for the Lord, and that's something that we want to do as well as we live and we serve uh, the Lord. As you know, the Apostle Paul, this is an individual that faced many difficulties, many hard circumstances in his uh, service unto the Lord. So as he endured for the Lord's sake, in a sense, he was also enduring for the Corinthians, the, the individuals there in uh, Corinth. And some of those people thought he was crazy because he would glory in those hardships and those difficult times in his life. Uh, but Paul knew that the victories that he had in Christ Jesus were shaping him, they were molding him, they were making him, they were preparing him for something greater in Christ. And as you and I face difficulties, I know this morning, I don't know, I feel like it's a little heavy this morning, just what's going on with our pastor and, and even in our own lives. Um, when the Lord helps us get through these difficult times, all the glory goes to God. And at the end of the day, it's making us look more like Jesus. So it's worth it as we endure uh, these hardships. Even though people around you may look at you and not really understand how you can be joyful, how you can make it through this circumstance, we know that it's the Lord and that's where all the glory is due. So that is one thing that we learned about Paul last time. And the second thing we talked about is the fact that you and I, just like the Apostle Paul, uh, we are ambassadors for the Lord. And when you think about an ambassador, we are honored to do our king's work. And our king is obviously um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are inspired by fear, a healthy fear of our Lord, and also a love for our Lord uh, to be that ambassador. Also, we talked about reconciliation with God. And the only way, the only way we can be reconciled with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And as ambassadors for the Lord, our calling is to share that gospel message, that message that saves, recognizing and accepting that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead three days later. And when we put our faith in that message, when we recognize we are sinners and there's an element of repentance in our lives, there's a change in our lives, that's what makes us righteous in the sight of God. And that's what we are ambassadors for. And another thing that we talked about is we, as we continue to share the gospel, we need to remember that when people reject the gospel, it's not you or me they're rejecting. It's God they are rejecting. So we can't take that personal. We just have to continue to be that mouthpiece uh, for the Lord and for his glory. So as I mentioned this morning, we're going to look at chapter 6. We'll look at the first uh, 10 verses, 
And in these first 10 verses, what we're going to see um, in the life of the Apostle Paul is how he made the most of the grace that God had given to him so freely. And even if it meant enduring difficult times, um, beatings, um, time in prison, all of these things that Paul faced, and we'll read about that in just a little bit, all for the Lord's sake. And as we enter into 2020, you know, we're, we're in the second weekend. Actually, this is our first weekend, or is it the second weekend? No, first weekend in 2020. Um, we certainly want to make the most of God's grace um, that he's given to us in our lives here. So before I get into um, the actual study here, let me just pray, and then we'll get into the word together. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, Lord. We thank you for the time of prayer we have, the time of worship, Lord. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word. Um, your word never comes void, Lord. And I pray that whatever it is you need to say to us, Lord God, that we hear you loud and clear, Lord, and that we allow your word to become flesh in our lives, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill this place with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help me to decrease, Lord. That way you can increase, Lord. Fill this place. Help us, Lord, to leave different from how we came in here. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. So here the Apostle Paul writes, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything, that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Amen. So one, of the, one of the first things that we're going to see here in the text is we don't want to receive God's grace in vain. We don't want to receive God's grace in vain. And Paul talks a little bit about this in the very first two verses. If you look at verse 1 once again, he tells us, We then as workers together with him, speaking of the Lord, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So when you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, if you look at the letters he wrote, you look at the way he lived his life, this was an individual who knew that the work he was doing for the Lord, he was doing it together with the Lord. Like he wasn't, he wasn't doing it on his own. He allowed the Lord to use him. And I think I mentioned this a while back, but as we live and we serve the Lord, it's, it's easy to become busy for the Lord, 
but we need to be also busy with the Lord. So you're busy with the Lord and you're busy for the Lord. And that's exactly um, the way Paul used to live his life. And as I mentioned before, we are ambassadors for the Lord. And when you think about an ambassador, this is an individual who works together with his king. And of course, our king is our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. But the ambassador does not have a say in the agenda and does not have a say in the authority. That is the king. We are just the ambassador. And that's how Paul lived his life. Now, working together with the Lord, Paul also pleads. He pleads here to the Corinthians, right? He says, um, with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And when you think about the Corinthians, this was a church that was dealing with a lot of idolatry and a lot of uh, division. There was sexual immorality happening in the church. There was uh, an abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those things were going on. A lot of them had received the Lord, but they had received the Lord in vain. They really weren't doing anything with that grace that God had given to them. And when I think about God's grace, um, I think about what God the Father did, how he sent his only begotten son to this earth. And, you know, we just celebrated that, uh, what, about two weeks ago. And because Jesus came to this earth, all of us in this room and anyone who will ever believe um, will have the opportunity to be considered a child of God, a child of the Most High, a son and a daughter of God. And all we have to simply do is receive that grace. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. Believe that he was buried. Believe that he rose from the dead three days later. You put your faith in that message. You recognize you're a sinner and you repent of your sin. That's what makes you righteous in the sight of God. So that's the only way we can be reconciled with God the Father is through his son, um, Jesus Christ. And when we receive God's grace, we don't want to receive it in vain. We want to do something um, with that grace that God has given to us so freely. And when you think about God's grace, God's grace is independent of man's faith and man's obedience. But without faith and without obedience, that grace is useless, right? You need to have that element of faith and that element of obedience. You have to receive the grace first. And then once you receive God's grace by believing, having that faith, then out of obedience, you can make the most of that grace while you're still here on this earth. Now, once again, that church there in Corinth was going through so many things. Um, like I said, there was a lot of idolatry. There was a lot of division. And many had received God's grace, but they were still living in the ways that they used to live before. So there was really no change um, in their lives. It was kind of like they were taking advantage of God's freely given grace. And... There's a book that I read, actually read it recently again. It's called The Royal Route to Heaven, and it's on studies on 1st and 2nd Corinthians. It's by um, a guy named Alan Redpath. He uh, was a British evangelist, a pastor. He's already gone home to be with the Lord. And in his book, he writes, We don't want to be a saved soul, but a wasted life. We do not want to be a saved soul, but a wasted life. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, Paul writes, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And certainly we want God's grace, 
to transform us, to change us. But we also want to do the most that we can with that grace that he's given to us. And this is what, what Paul is telling uh, the Corinthians here. And also, when you think about God's grace and taking advantage of God's grace, there's a lot of movements in the church right now that we need to be careful with. And when I was studying this portion of scripture, um, one movement came into my mind, which is called the hyper grace movement. And with the hyper grace movement, it is believed that all of your sin, past, present, and future, has already been completely forgiven to you, uh, forgiven of you. And there's no need for the believer to confess their sin anymore because it's all been forgiven. And the hyper grace movement also teaches that God sees us as holy and righteous people, um, which we will be, right? We're, we're still sinners. Um, and also, the hyper grace movement teaches that the teachings of Jesus Christ um, no longer necessarily have to be followed by the believer because they are sinless perfection. And that's something that is very alarming to me. We need to be careful. Um, all of us in this room, myself included, we are all sinners. We're still in the flesh. We still have to confess our sins to the Lord. We are not sinless perfection. And um, when I think about this movement, um, I think about the Corinthians. You know, they, they said, oh, we received Jesus Christ into our lives. That's great. We're saved. Now we can just live how we used to live. We can live like the world lives. We have to be very careful. There should be that element of repentance in our lives. The faith, the obedience, and the repentance is part of it. There should be a change. We don't ever want to take advantage of God's grace. Um, we don't want to look the same as we did when we were in the world. We want to look like Jesus Christ every single day. We have to be um, careful of that, that we um, don't think that we are sinless and perfected, um, because we're not. God is continuously shaping us and molding us. Every single day, um, the Word of God tells us that we're going to fall short of God's glory. And, um, and that's okay. We just need to confess our sins to the Lord, and he will forgive us our sins. Now, as we serve the Lord, when it comes to doing the Lord's work, as Paul mentioned here, he's the one who's guiding us. He's the one who's leading us. We're doing it together with the Lord. All he needs is a body, a vessel, a person to work through. That's all he needs. That's all that you and I are as we've given our lives to Jesus Christ and as we live and we serve um, the Lord together. We both do it. It's a relationship. All of us are in this relationship with Jesus Christ, right? It takes two people um, to have that relationship. I know the hard part is that surrender. Every single day we have to be obedient and surrender um, to the will of the Lord. We have to deny ourselves daily, right? And, and follow what the Lord has for us. This is that Christian battle. And I know um, the key is to just take the focus off of yourself and to put it back onto the Lord, no matter what circumstance you're going through. That is easier said than done. Because if you're going through something, I know it's easy to focus on the circumstance and not on the Lord. And um, that's what we need to do. And that's what makes us different from people that don't know the Lord. We have someone to focus on because we know that he has the entire circumstance or situation um, under control. Looking here at verse 2, uh, Paul continues. He says, For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So here Paul is trying to give the Corinthians a sense of urgency. 
he says, now is the acceptable time, right? And God has given us all an acceptable time to work with his grace, with his love. And the way I think about it is that there's only a period of time where we can accept God's grace and do something with God's grace. And that's the amount of time that we're on this earth. From the moment we're born to the moment we die, that time is the only time that we have to receive God's grace and to do something with God's grace on this earth. So that time will run out. None of us know when the Lord's going to take us home, either by physical death or by rapture. And that's why we need to make the most of that grace. And of course, continue praying for those that haven't received the Lord into their life, that they do it quickly, that the Lord had put it upon their heart to do it. Um, because we just never know. And I think I talked a little bit about this the last time too. Um, the only time we have the opportunity to make the most of God's grace in our earthly ministry is when we're on this earth. Because once we leave this place, once we're in the presence of the Lord, those earthly ministries, they're not going to be with us, right? We're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be serving him up there, but the earthly ministry, that component of our lives will be gone because we won't be on this earth um, anymore. So we need to continue walking by faith, enduring in all his power, and also doing the work um, of an evangelist. That's what we're supposed to do while we're on this earth. And uh, once he calls us home, those earthly um, ministries will go away. He also mentions here that today is the day of salvation. And as I mentioned before, that day is not going to last forever. Because once we die physically or or by rapture, um, we, don't, we don't have that opportunity. Of course, if you're a non-believer, if you, if you die, you don't have that opportunity anymore to receive God's grace. You can't um, receive that. So we have to be careful. The moment you're born to the moment you die or are raptured, um, that's the time frame where you can receive God's grace and do something with God's grace. And this is actually something that Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 49, right? Today is the day of salvation. And then we want to make the most um, with that grace that God has given to us. We don't want to be a safe soul um, and a wasted life or a, va- a wasted vessel. And I think in the, lo- in the world and in the society we live in today, um, we're kind of in that fast-paced mindset where we like to put everything off to the last minute. Um, we're like, yeah, I'll do it later. Um, I'm actually teaching at a high school now, and, and the kids, it's funny, they're like, um, is it a grade? When is it due? Because I want to do it to the last minute, or they don't want to do it at all. So, but this is, our, this is our salvation, right? We don't want to treat it like that. Um, and I think maybe all of us in this room, we have a to-do list with stuff on there from maybe like 1999 that we haven't gotten to. Um, but we need to be careful, right? We always want to make sure that we're not putting off the Lord's work, and also not putting off having a relationship Um, with our Lord and Savior. We want to be obedient to that calling. Um, And I think a good question to ask ourselves, and I ask myself this often, um, as we're serving the Lord, we're living for the Lord, you know, what am I putting before the Lord's work? Um, And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what are you putting before that relationship? Why don't you have that relationship with Jesus Christ? And you hear people say, well, you know, I'll I'll receive him at my deathbed or... um, I'll receive him at a later time. Right now I'm busy with this. Once I finish this, then I'll go back to church and receive the Lord. I even heard someone tell me once, um, I hear people are going to get saved during the Great Tribulation. So I'll wait till that time comes and then I'll receive the Lord into my life. And certainly we don't want to play around with that. We want to make sure that we um, receive the Lord into our lives. 
And as I mentioned earlier, that's why we need to continue praying for those that don't know the Lord, family members, friends, people we see in the streets every single day. And remember that God's timing is perfect. We're not going to change people's hearts or lives. We can give the gospel. We can bring forth the gospel message. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to change um, people's hearts. We can't do that. All right, so the second thing that we see here this morning in verses 3 through 10, so this is through the end of the chapter, is we're going to see the mark of ministry, the mark of ministry in the life of the Apostle Paul. And certainly when you think about Paul, this was an individual that made the most of God's grace and um, that certainly showed in his service unto the Lord. So if you look at verse 3, Paul writes, We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. And Paul was well aware that people were always watching him. And I think we can relate to this as as Christians, as believers. People are always watching us, right? They want to have an opportunity to pinpoint something that is wrong. That way they can discredit the gospel and turn away from those things. And as believers, we see this in the world all the time. It's unfortunate that many people have actually had a bad experience in church. And I hear this from young people all the time. They go to church, they feel like they've been judged, they feel like they've been rejected, that they weren't received with love and with grace. And that can cause people to get further away from God or to reject um, the gospel message altogether. And that's why I truly believe as a church body, whoever comes through the doors, that we receive them with love and grace and compassion. Um, Because who are we to judge, right? All of us are still sinners. The things that people struggle with in the world are still things that we are susceptible to and that we can struggle with. We've all come out of something. We've all dealt with something and and we're still in the flesh. We can go back to those old ways. We have to be careful that we don't allow people to get a bad taste in the church because we're judgmental and self-righteous. That's not who we are. We're not like um, those religious leaders of Jesus' time. We want to be more like Jesus. Um, However, we also need to be careful because love is not tolerance. Okay? And when I say that, what I mean is that when somebody comes, let's say I have a family member who's struggling with a worldly um, habit or sinful thing, and they come live with me, but I continue to allow them to live in that way, that's tolerance. That's not love. If you love someone, you're going to want to turn them away from those things in a loving way. That way they can start living um, like Jesus would want them to live, like the Lord would want them to live. So that's also something we need to be um, very careful of. I feel like we live in a world now where it's all about tolerance. They've gotten that confused with love, that love is tolerance, but it's, it's not. Tolerance is not love, um, and love is not tolerance. Um, also... As a church body, all of us in here as a church body, we are walking billboards for the Lord. Um, everywhere we go, people see us, they read us. You know, Paul called us these living epistles, these living letters of recommendation. And as I mentioned, people are always watching us. And that's why uh, we need to continue to guard our hearts, the, the fruit of our character, the things that come out of our mouths, the things that we do. Um, we don't want to give anyone the opportunity uh, to blaspheme um, the name of the Lord or the work that he's doing in our lives and through our lives. We have to take that relationship that we have with the Lord and our service unto the Lord uh, very seriously. 
And as I was as I was going through this, it reminded me of something that happened in First Corinthians chapter eight. Um, as Americans, as Christians, we have we have a lot of liberties, don't we? We have a lot of liberties as Americans, as Christians. But sometimes those liberties could cause another brother or sister to stumble. So we have to be careful, don't we? And, and Paul talks about this in First Corinthians chapter eight. Um, if you remember there, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is addressing um, idolatry. Specifically, meat, meat that was being sacrificed to idols. They're in the idol temples. And when they would sacrifice that meat, a portion was given to the priest, a portion was given to the worshiper, and then a portion was given to the um, temple market, and it was sold at a very cheap price. So, I mean, you could imagine, right, when, when meat goes on sale, you go and buy a lot of it right, and you freeze it. Um, so what was happening was that Corinthian Christians, those that were further along in their walk, they were, you know, stronger in the Lord, they were purchasing that meat and they were eating it because they knew that idols were nothing. You know, it was a piece of wood, it was a rock, it was nothing. So to them, they were just purchasing cheap meat. However, there were some other Corinthian Christians that were new to the walk. They were new believers. And... To them, it was a stumbling block because they were confused. Well, wait, this person's eating meat that was sacrificed to an idol, but now he's worshiping, you know, the Lord. It would confuse them, especially those that were coming out of a life of idolatry. And it was causing them to stumble. So Paul tells them in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, beginning in verse 9, he writes, But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound the weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So we do need to be careful um, with those liberties that we have as believers, that we don't cause others to stumble around us. So moving on now um, to verses 4 and 5. Here, Paul is going to begin to describe some of the physical sufferings that he faced as he served um, the Lord. So beginning in verse 4, he writes, But in all things we commend ourselves, as ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, um, and in fastings. So notice here, Paul begins to recount all of the things that he encountered um, excuse me, in ministry. He talks about patience, first of all. First of all. And um, when you think about Paul... This was certainly a guy who had a lot of patience, a lot of long-suffering he, he um, endured in his life. And when you think about Paul, I always think about like active patience, like you're doing things for the Lord, but you're still very patient at the same time. And um, that's something I really want to apply to my own life. It, it's hard to be patient when you want things to get done quickly, but, but that's what we need to do. We need to be actively patient. He also talks about tribulations that he endured great persecution, great difficulties. Um, one difficulty that comes to my mind always with Paul is that thorn he had in the flesh. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Remember, he asked the Lord to take it away from him three times, the word of God tells us here. 
Um, although some scholars suggest it could have been continuously, he could have continuously asked the Lord to take it away. Um, but the Lord tells him that his grace was sufficient for him and that that grace was made perfect in weakness. And certainly we can all relate to that in some way as we've gone through some difficult times, just like Paul. He also talks about his needs. He talks about the food, the clothing, the lodging, all those things that are associated with, with the needs. He also talks about distresses. And when you think about Paul, he often found himself in very unfavorable situations, situations he didn't necessarily plan for. And uh, one situation that always comes to my mind is um, early on, like right at his conversion. If you remember Paul in Acts chapter 9, he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians from the early church. He was going to drag them back to um, Jerusalem in chains. And then he has this blinding experience, right? The Lord blinds him and allows him to receive his sight. And um, the Lord takes a hold of his life. But if you remember, when he made his way to Damascus, how did he leave the city? He left in a basket through a hole in the wall because people were trying to kill him. And certainly that must have been a, a very distressful time for him, a very stressful time for him. Um, another thing that he mentions is the stripes, the imprisonments, the wounds that he faced. Um, in Acts chapter 16, there's an example of this. Remember when Paul and Silas were punished for removing that spirit of divination or that evil spirit from that young lady, that fortune teller. And um, their masters were really upset because she wouldn't be able to make money for them anymore. So what they did is they, they beat him and they put him in prison there in Macedonia. And um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's something Paul did not plan for. Second Corinthians 11 also talks a little bit about that event. Um, he talks about the tumults, the riots, the uproars. And Paul talks about these in 1 Corinthians. He talks about fighting with those beasts um, in Ephesus. If you remember, he wrote the letter to them from there. He talks about the labors he endured. Um, he also mentions sleepless nights, right? Sleeplessness. Um, when I think about Paul, if I was going through something like that, the difficulties he faced, I may, may have slept with one eye, one eye open because people were trying to kill Paul and, and destroy um, his ministry. And then, he, of course, he talks about the fasting. And all of these things he endured for the Lord's sake. And like I said before, Paul talks about us um, as these living epistles, these living letters of recommendation for the faith. And what Paul went through, all these things, even though it was hard, he continued to endure for the Lord. He continued to go through all those difficult things. And he made the most of the grace that God had given to him. And what I was thinking about this um, certainly when all of us, when we go through a crisis in our life, people are watching us, right? I heard it once said that, you know the type of Christian somebody is when you see them go through a crisis. And I can tell you, when my mom had her brain hemorrhage a few years ago, two years ago, um, that was certainly a crisis for us. And we just had to endure. We had to trust the Lord. There were days where I didn't want to trust the Lord, but you just have to trust the Lord. And you have to remember and truly believe that God is using that circumstance that he allowed into your life to prepare you for something better because there's better things, there's greater things ahead. And um, I know that's easier said than done, but that's what we have to do. That's all we can do. That's the only way you can find peace in, in difficult times. Um, and this is certainly something that I believe Paul believed as well as he went through these difficult uh, circumstances for the Lord. 
And I think we can learn from him here when we go through a hard time. Are we going to behave like Christ would or the Lord would? Or are we going to behave like the world would? Are we going to complain and, you know, get on social media and, you know, want sympathy from the world around us? We, we don't want to do that. And I can tell you, um, in the midst of a difficult time, I've learned quite a bit of things. And I know all of you all have stories to tell as well as you've gone through difficult times. But I know that for me, the only person I can truly confide in is the Lord. I've learned that people that you might think will be there for you and help you may not necessarily be there for you. And I think the Lord allows that so that you can just depend on him. And one person that comes to my mind is actually Peter. How he denied the Lord three times. You would think that he would have been there for the Lord. You know, the night he was betrayed and of course when he was taken uh, to be crucified for all of our sins and for the sins of all mankind. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, all of us in here, we need to be there for people when they're in the midst of a crisis. And the most important thing that I've learned is that you need to point people to Jesus, to the word of God, because you don't want anyone to depend on you. You want them to depend on the Lord. And when people come to you, you have to direct them to the Lord. You have to direct them to the Lord because it's easy to become dependent on somebody. And we don't want that. We want them to be dependent on the Lord. Just like God, just like the Lord, he never will leave us nor forsake us. We, we want to we act in the same way. Okay. Uh, verses 6 through 7, Paul talks about his conduct, the way he behaved in the midst of all those things. He says, or he writes, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left. So despite all these hard things that he faced, this is how he conducted himself in ministry. He said by purity, right? Our bodies, your body, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we don't ever want to be, and in fact, Paul talks about this a little bit later. We may not get to those verses today, but he talks about not being unequally yoked to non-believers. And we can talk more about that um, a little bit later if we have time. But certainly we want to make sure that there is purity in our lives as we continue to go um, through the circumstances God allows us to go through. And then he also mentions knowledge here. And when I think about knowledge, it's not enough to have just like a head knowledge, of God's word. I automatically thought of God's word. Um, in fact, in James chapter one, the word of God tells us that we not need to just be hearers of God's word, but also doers of God's word. You know, we heard that a few weeks ago um, when, when Rick was up here. We need to be doers of God's word because you can have the head knowledge, but if you're not applying it, it's not going to help you in your difficult circumstance, right? We need to heed God's counsel. He also talks about the long suffering. And uh, as I mentioned before, clearly Paul knew what it meant um, to, to have long-suffering in his life. And um, our Lord is long-suffering, right? His desire is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I think that element of long-suffering is something that I know we all desire for our own lives, if you don't already have it. He also talks about kindness. Um, Paul lived a very unselfish life. He did all these things for the Lord's sake, but also in a sense for the Corinthians, for the individuals that he had the opportunity and the privilege uh, to serve. And as a society, we're very selfish. We tend to be very selfish. And the word of God tells us that we need to esteem others greater than ourselves. And I know that sometimes it's a hard 
thing to do that. Um, but certainly the Lord will give you all those things that you need to remain faithful to that purpose. And then notice he talks about the Holy Spirit. As believers, we need to be filled and we need to be led by the power and the person um, of the Holy Spirit. And every single day I have to ask the Lord to give me a fresh indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because we leak. We leak the Holy Spirit constantly. And we need to be filled by his Holy Spirit. And then he also talks about sincere love. And as believers, we need to have sincere love, genuine love towards the Lord and for one another as we live for the Lord and also for each other, as we serve each other. Um, he also mentions by the word of truth. Paul's ministry was an honest ministry. It was obedient to the word of God or to the word of truth. And certainly as we live for the Lord, that's how we would like the ministry that he's entrusted us with to be as well. Through the word of God and through the word of truth. And then he mentions lastly by the power of God. And if we're doing the Lord's work, we certainly want to do it in God's power not in our own power. Um, because once we do it in our own power, it's futile, it's weak, it's going to have no effect. And the maintenance is going to be draining. And you know when you're doing stuff in your own power because it's inconvenient, it's draining, it's tiring, and then you need the Lord. You need to go back to the Lord and tell him, okay, Lord, you got to do this. You got to fill me with your Holy Spirit and you do, you do the work. I'm just the vessel. I'm just the body. And of course, all these things that he talks about here, everything starts, I truly believe, with prayer. Prayer is the backbone of everything. Um, and it's unfortunate that for most churches, the, like the prayer gatherings tend to be like the least attended events. Um, I know for me, when I first started praying corporately with churches, it's, it's, it can be stressful because you're, you're worried about people judging your prayers. Oh, they're going to hear me pray out loud. But at the end of the day, you're just talking to God. You just tell him what's on your heart. I think about Peter, for example, when he was drowning in the Sea of Galilee. All he said was, save me, Lord, three words, and the Lord saved him. So it's, it's, a, very, it's a very simple, powerful tool that we don't take advantage of, I feel, as, as believers. We need to pray continuously um, without ceasing, as Paul tells us in Ephesians. Also notice he mentions the armor of righteousness. And um, when you think about that, I think of what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6 in verses 13 through 18, the full armor of God. This is something that we need to put on every single day. You know, the second we wake up in the morning, um, that's when the battle begins. And we got to put on that full armor of God. And I, I, I praise the Lord because we have complete access to that armor through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his word, through brothers and sisters in Christ, <laughs> as we continue to, to serve the Lord together. I truly believe that the best defense in our world today is the Christian character. That is the best defense that we have in the world today is our Christian character. And that's something that we, like I said, we have complete access to and um, that we need to put on every single day. Uh, verses 8 through 10, in these last few verses here, Paul's going to describe some of the typical experiences that he had as, as a Christian ministering in the uh, ministry there. He says, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. So what we see here in these concluding verses is Paul makes a list of what the world would think about him and what God 
would possibly think about him. And if you look at the list, like it's, it's like almost like a compare and contrast. If you look at the first words of that entire list, you have dishonor, evil report, deceivers, unknown, dying, chastened, sorrowful, poor, having nothing. Paul, that's how the world viewed Paul. Some of the Corinthians as well viewed Paul in that way. And then if you look at the second word in that list, it says honor, good report, true, well-known, behold, we live, not killed, always rejoicing, making many rich, possessing all things. And that's how the Lord would view Paul because of his service unto the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 tells us, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So people were just seeing these things that were happening to Paul. Look at this guy. He's in prison now. He's gotten beaten. You know, he, he has this thorn in the side of his flesh. They didn't see what God was doing in his life internally as he was changing him. And as believers, we, I think we have that issue as well. Like the world sees us and how we used to be. And maybe they think, and I hear this from young people all the time. They say, yeah, they think that my life is so boring now because I left the, the, the life of partying. I left the pleasures of the world for a life in Jesus Christ. But what people don't understand is that we no longer live for those worldly things. We now live um, for the Lord, Jesus Christ. And our complete satisfaction in, is in him. And that's something that people may not see necessarily. But we do have to be careful because we're still in the flesh and those things still call us back. And we have to be very careful that we don't fall into those things again. Um, and this is why every single day, as Paul mentions, we need to put on that full armor. Um, because the world expects us to act and to do things a certain way. But that's not the way we're supposed to live in Christ Jesus. So it's so easy to go back to those, to those old ways. And in fact, if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells us to always walk in wisdom. He writes there, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So certainly that's how we want to be walking, especially with everything that's going on in the world right now. Um, we certainly want to be walking with that mindset of an imminent return of, of our Lord, his second return. Um, so in closing this morning, there's several things that we talked about. I went ahead and summed everything up into two bullets here. Um, the first thing that we talked about is that we don't ever want to receive God's grace in vain. Okay? Paul wanted to make this very clear to the Corinthians, and also it's applicable to us in this church, his church body. God's grace will have no effect if there's no element of faith and obedience um, in our lives, and also repentance. If you look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9, um, it says there, Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So certainly, believing that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead three days later, you recognize you're a sinner, you repent of your sin, you put your faith in that message. That's what makes you righteous in the sight of God. But now you have to do something with that, that grace that God has given to you. And as I mentioned, we are ambassadors for the Lord. And that's where we have to make the most of that grace because we're only on this earth for a certain amount of time. God knows that time and we want to make the most of that time uh, while we're still here. The second thing we looked at um, and we talked extensively about was the mark of ministry in the life of Paul. And obviously Paul, as we read here, and as you read throughout scripture, um, had suffered some great difficulties, uh, tribulations, beatings, um, the thorn in his flesh, just to name a few things. And he did all those things for the Lord's sake. Some people thought he was crazy. In fact, some of the Corinthians thought he was crazy for enduring those things, but they didn't recognize that God was changing him from the inside out, preparing him for um, something better. Every victory that he had in the world was making him look more um, like Jesus Christ. So as we enter, as we have entered into 2020, we certainly want to make the most of God's grace because I truly believe God has so much more that he wants to do with you all and with me through us. He wants to use us as his instruments to build his kingdom. Um, I, I truly believe the best is yet to come um, in Christ Jesus. And I'll close with this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Paul tells us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning, Lord. I pray that you allow that word to penetrate our hearts, our lives, Lord God, that it would become flesh. Give us a desire, Lord, every single day to live for you, to make the most of the grace that was so freely given to us, Lord. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity, Lord, of knowing you and serving you. And Lord, this morning I pray, if there's anyone listening Anyone that hears us, Lord God, they don't have a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that they would take this opportunity, Lord, to invite him into their lives, Lord. Um, and if you don't know Jesus Christ, all you have to do is confess your sins to him and believe that Jesus died for your sins. Believe that he was buried. Believe that he rose from the dead three days later. Recognize that you need a savior and you need to confess your sins and repent of your sin. And that's what will make you righteous in the sight of God. You confess these things. You will be welcomed into the kingdom of God forever. And after that, you need to do the most which you can with the grace that was given to you. And if you need more information, um, please let us know. We're here. Reach out to a church that will help you and guide you. We'll disciple you, disciple you. We'll lead you in the right direction. And Lord, we thank you so much for your grace, for your love, for your long-suffering, for your compassion. We pray that you continue to have your way in our lives. And I pray once again for every circumstance in this room, every circumstance in our church family, Lord God, we lift them up to you. You are God, Lord. Nothing is impossible for you. We love you and we thank you. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.